Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. This podcast is uh, is in remembrance of the late Dusty Rhodes. And it's also the FCM podcast for this year's edition of the 2055 FCM draft, where we have 180 players now living their American dream. Uh, I did not plan that intro, and it, you could tell by the way I stuttered all the way through it, but then again, I do that when I actually plan the things that I do in this podcast, so whatever. Uh, on this podcast, which I'm proud to say is a reunion of the original podcast mafia, uh, we have, it via the draft podcast, we of course have the czar of the league, uh, our benevolent dictator, uh, Andy on the line. Andy, how you doing? Good. I like benevolent. I can roll with that. Yes. <laughs> I can work with benevolent. Uh, yes, you're, we're, we're really just like sort of the Singapore of mogul leagues. Like we, we're ruled, we're ruled harshly but fairly. And uh, back on the line for his return to the podcast after many years of exile, we were people were wondering when he would get back on the air. He's finally back, Maddie Noakes. Maddie, welcome back to the pod. Well, thank you very much. And you know that's what I like about SCM. I get older. It stays in the same place. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Thank you for that. Can't tell if you're. It... I thought you said that was McConaughey. Isn't that Sean Penn or whoever played Spicoli? Um, I know no. what you're talking about. No, oh, whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. You just sounds like you want to sell me a Lincoln, and I'm not comfortable with it. So. Uh, this year's draft, as usual, was yet another draft that people were complaining that no one would good was available in. It seems like this is just now a thing on the podcast. It seems like every year we begin with a rant about how bad this year's draft is, and then Andy has to come in and say, well, it wasn't quite this bad, but here was some bad, and then I think it was one of the years where you actually thought it was worse than everyone else, Andy. So I know this year took a lot of heat, and I can definitely see some serious problems with this draft in certain ways, but Andy... Uh, and we'll get to you, Maddie, after this. Andy, what did you think of the draft overall? I thought it was fine. I thought it was even maybe on the pretty decent side of things. Um, I thought there were some pretty nice pitcher builds in it, and we haven't had a pitcher-heavy draft in a while. It's been largely good offense. or Whatever strengths were in the draft tended to be offense and not pitching, so um, I thought it was pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. I mean, talent lasted until the early fourth. That's like a round longer than it has the last couple of years, so not terrible. Uh, what do you think people had a natural uh, – well, why do you think this draft was panned by people? I didn't I didn't guess. I didn't hear as much panning. I heard – you know, I know Mike didn't like it, but um, I know GB thought pretty highly of it. Um, and JHC was – I thought JHC was on board with it being pretty decent too – um, so I guess I didn't hear as much negativity about it. Yeah, I didn't really hear that same kind of positivity. I know um, 
I know um, GB said it was he didn't hate the draft. Uh, I didn't hear what JHC had to say about it. But then again, as much as, as much as I love JHC and his new uh, what, what was the nickname Rocky gave him? Uh, Chief Wallows or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Chief Wallows. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it, JHC and I do not think see amateur talent especially the same way. So I'm not entirely surprised that we probably saw it a bit differently. Maddie, what did you think of this draft on the whole? Yeah, I pretty much I, I I think it was just kind of a, a normal draft. There was some some good talent there. I think where people really start to think that it's a bad draft is because GMs are getting better at drafting. You know, we're not you know like the the really bad build on um, ninety peaks. They're actually falling to the second round like they actually should instead of someone taking them you know in the top ten. We're not seeing that. Like when I was going through the draft. I think by, like, pick 15 on my scouting file, I think all the top 10 guys were taken. You know, I mean, my my file isn't perfect, but when when those top 10 guys go within, the, you know, within, like, top 15 or, or 20 picks, it says to me that people are drafting better. Because in years past, you know, I would have, like, a, a top 10 guy sitting there at, like, pick, you know, 30 or 35. So I think people are just getting a lot better at drafting. That's where... You know, people think that, that the talent isn't there. No, people are just a lot better at making smarter choices. Yeah, I, I think that I can fully say that this podcast is solely to credit for the fact that people are drafting better. Uh, I, I think that maybe that's part of the reason people react to drafts differently, but I do see some of the problems with this draft, some of the reasons that they didn't necessarily uh, didn't necessarily gravitate to it. I thought that the first thing that jumped out at me is how is that uh, is the problem with some of the catchers. The catcher fielding in this draft was especially bad. There was probably only one or two catchers in the entire draft, and I'm talking regardless from bats, that would be considered high-level defenders at their position. And there was probably a second tier of guys that would be, like, playable, that didn't, that didn't have elite arms but had other things that would allow you to start them a catcher. And there were a whole bunch of guys that looked like DHs in a catcher's body. And I think that when people saw that, they were probably a bit surprised, a bit taken aback, and that might have led to some of their feelings about the draft. I think you, you guys might be onto something when you say the pitching was a bit better, but I think this was another year where uh, it was hard to find uh, a really shut-down, surefire arm. I think there were some guys that looked really promising, but – with a rare exception, uh, maybe with the exception that I'm one overall pick, there really wasn't a guy that I was sure was going to hit anywhere as a pitcher in this draft, either with some of the things in their amateur numbers or some of the things in their builds. Uh, I, I think a lot of these guys have bust potential on the arm side. Maybe a bit more depth overall, but certainly some. Certainly, I think no matter what arm you're taking, you're taking a risk, and no matter where you're taking it. People don't generally rate the draft good or bad based on the top five picks or the top end talent because the only people who have a shot at the top end talent are the first four or five people. Most criticisms of the draft are about depth, not about top end talent. Um, and I do think this one had more depth, and I think Maddie's right on. I mean, we only had two teams getting auto-picked this year. And if you go back 20 seasons, that was definitely not the case. I mean, you would have on an average draft, even in our league, five, maybe six teams being auto-picked, and that was not happening. And it hasn't been happening for several years now. 
Um, so when you have everybody making conscious draft choices, it eats up the talent much, much quicker. And I also would suggest that I don't think most people expect catchers to be any good in the draft. I mean, most drafts don't have very good catchers in a mobile draft. There's usually one or two that people want to get, and that's about it. Um, I just think there wasn't a lot of offense, period, in this draft, and that was part of what held it back. At least after the first round, the offense, I think, took a, a major step back compared to the pitching. Yeah, uh, a lot of those, it seemed like a lot of the bats that went in the first round, uh, with a couple exceptions, I think, of the guys that went toward the top, looked more like, a lot of them looked like DHs down the road, like maybe more so in year, more so than in years past. Yep. Yeah, they were guys. That, they were guys that were not first basemen that were probably DHs. I think yeah. that was something a little bit unique. I mean, usually the guys who are DH types are usually first basemen. Um, right. And in this draft, there were a lot of guys that were listed at a different position that probably deserved to be DHs. Right. Uh, so we'll move on to uh, second guessing the first overall pick, a podcast tradition unlike any other. Uh, this year, uh, it was in the hands of Decker, who uh, visited Rebuild City and appears to have found himself a nice condo there that he has a, like, I don't know, eight to ten year lease on, because I don't think it's going to turn around all that soon. But uh, the the first step, of course, is to make a good pick here, and he ends up taking the 20-year-old uh, right-hander, Brett Wright. Uh, Wright seemed to be, at least from a lot of people's minds, from what I, from what I had heard, one of the picks that seemed like was going to be in that top-end range. At the very least, I wasn't surprised to see Decker select him. Looks to have strong control and movement for his overall rating, but definitely a guy that's more developed than a lot of other pitchers, uh, than a lot of other pitchers that go that early. Uh, you you're know more of what you're going to get. He's not going to be a huge strikeout guy, but if his control and movement stays strong relative to that overall, he, it seems like he's going to be pretty likely to at least get into a rotation and stay there, high ground ball rate, some other things to like. Um, however, there were some other players in contention for that first overall pick. Uh, so, Andy, do you think uh, Decker ultimately made the right decision? Yep, I think it was a no-brainer. Um, in my opinion, Wright was head and shoulders above anybody else in the draft, um, and for a couple of reasons. One, like you said, he's very well developed. Um, he's got very, 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 very low bust potential. I mean, all he needs is one more jump, and he's a major league pitcher. One more, and and he's fine. Um, he's going to have four pretty confident pit or three pretty confident pitches. He's going to be a pretty reliable horse. He's going to keep the ball in the ballpark. He's going to, you know, he's going to do pretty much everything you want him to do. Is he going to be an ace ace? No, probably not. But he's the kind of guy that if you throw a defense behind him, you won't be able to tell the difference. Um, he won't strike out as many guys, but he's still going to put up a bitch in ERA. So um, I, I, I told Decker, my personal advice was, I wouldn't even hesitate. I would have put Wright as the number one pick um, right when we released the file. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so seems to me like uh, seems to me like you're definitely on board with that. He, he does seem like a very G-money type of pitcher, the kind of guys that I just throw into my rotation and let and just have them throw ground balls directly into my de- infield defense all day. Yep. There are Give two the things, however – Give the guy a good shortstop and a good second baseman, and he'll never have an ERA over three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there are two things I see with Wright, though, that, that are cause for concern. 
One is uh, in that co- in his in, during his college days, he did give up quite a he did give up a pretty high rate of home runs for someone who is a a ground ball pitcher and b who is in his seventies at that level. So that's a little bit concerning. The other concerning thing, and this might just be uh, a weird superstition I have more than anything, was the fact that um, is the fact that he doesn't have a fastball as his main pitch. I know he has a two seamer, which I guess technically is a fastball, but I've always found that Mogul does weird things with pitchers that don't have a fastball as either a their first pitch or b a pitch at all. Uh, just a regular four-seam fastball. It, it can get very confusing uh, with Mogul's, uh, with what Mogul's CPU decides to do. I know we've had discussions on on on, uh, on podcasts in the years past that uh, because of the high rate of fastballs that get thrown, it does matter to some extent what that rating of that pitch is, even if it wouldn't necessarily, even if it, even if it really shouldn't. So I'd be a little worried about that if I were Decker. But in terms of Nearly everything else, he's the prototypical pitcher that I would definitely want in my rotation. Uh, whether whether he's going to strike out, you know, 250 guys or 100 guys, I don't think it's going to matter if you put a good defense behind him. And I think you need to do that to really win in this game anyway. Uh, Maddie, what do you think of this selection? Uh, let's see. To uh, to to your guys' points, um, I don't really think that the first pitch matters much. I mean, you can just look at George Mark. He doesn't have much of a fastball either. It's actually by far his his worst pitch, and he's pretty good. So I don't think think the thing of needing a fastball is true. It, it helps, sure, but if you have other good pitches, it can make up for it. Um, I think you know on my grades, I I graded Wright as a four star, which as a first pick, you probably think is five star. I just kind of like the other guys more, but I don't think you can really go go wrong with with Wright. You know, I don't think still. He'll be dominant, but he can be very, very good. Like, like uh, Andy said, you know, if you put a good defense behind him, and he's going to shine. And I don't think that the home runs will be a problem because um, his high school numbers are 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 very good for that. And he was showing a good trend in in college. You know, you have to think. I mean, I don't know if that really makes sense in moral, but it makes sense. You know, in in real. Real life, that fact of that if you know if you're if you're a freshman in college, you're not going to be the best you know pitcher there. So I think it I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it's a logical pick. Um, I think the other guy that I really would have considered at that pick would have been Angel Fernandez. Um, I, I think I would have ended up pulling the trigger with Wright, but I would have really strongly considered Fernandez simply because. Uh, Second baseman, like a, a natural second baseman with that sort of defense and that sort of potential with the bat doesn't come along very often. But the fact that Fernandez is already 21 years old and does not have great contact or power vitals for a 77 overall, even though like with a second baseman you're grading on a curve as opposed to as strictly as you would another position, it does seem to me like – um, it does seem to me like Fernandez is just going to be a good player rather than a franchise player at second base. Um, I know Maddie gave that pick five stars. He may disagree with me with that a, a little bit, but I probably would have gone with right over Fernandez if that's the pick, if that's sort of who it's between in your mind. Uh, it, I know second baseman's a hard position to fill. I, I, I've, I talk about the importance of it more than probably most GMs in the league, but – 
I think this is probably the right way for Decker to go. Uh, Maddie, you mentioned that there were certain players you liked better. If you were picking first overall, who would you have gone with? Mm, that's tough because, you know, part of my, my grade, too, was where where they were picked. You know, I kind of uh, – it, it, it's tough, you know, because you kind of have – I think that the other players uh, have a higher upside than, than Wright, but like – like Andy said, right, well, pretty much a guarantee. Actually, he is a guarantee to make the rotation because with him being um, out, outside of his, his window, he actually right now has 82. Yeah, uh, his, his models are 82, 67, uh, 82. So, you know, he's a, a, a uh, number five right now. Yeah, and that's definitely something to uh, – that's definitely something to uh, – uh, to consider that you're getting someone who's close to major league ready and that if you're a rebuilding team that you might just sit, you know, for a jump or two in the minors and then, and then go with when you need to go with him uh, as opposed to rushing him to the major leagues. Uh, I, I can say he's probably good enough for, to, to pitch for the Mets right now with some of the drugs we're running out there in our rotation. So, you know, not going to really second guess that pick very much. I think it's now time to move on to the picks we really liked in the first round. We're going to, we're going to start positive and then get extra negative, like what we're really good at, especially uh, especially me and Andy. So, uh, Andy, um, I know I'm going to start with you again because we already saw some of Maddie's feelings in the blog post. Uh, what were some of the picks in the first round that you really liked? Well, for me, when I looked at the top of the draft, I thought Brett Wright was number one far and away. It, the The next two players for me were fairly close, and that was – Angel Fernandez, I like him for the same reason you do. You already know what he's going to do well, and if you get you know any kind of development offensively, he's going to be a good player. So I thought I thought Eric made a good pick. But the other guy I thought was in that group would be John McNamee, um, who went to Maddie at four, mm-hmm. and I think I think McNamee should have gone third. Um, I think he's potentially, um, like I said, right up there as one of the two best bats in the draft. I think he's going to be able to hit across um, multiple levels of, you know, so he's going to hit home runs. He's going to, you know, swipe a few bags. He's going to score some runs. He's going to play pretty good defense. He's going to be the kind of guy you like ideally put in the number two spot and you just let him do what he's going to do, which is get on base, be productive and be a hell of a good ball player. Um, so I thought he was a good pick at four. Yeah. Uh, he's, he was a guy I probably overlooked a bit when I was originally scouting the draft. Uh, I think the main reason I overlooked him is because I didn't think he could play center field. I thought the vitals looked okay, but looking at the minor league profile, I just didn't think he played enough games at the position to really uh, ensure that he would be playing particularly well there. I thought the only position that he could probably play in the major leagues was left field, and that dinged his value a bit. I also wasn't completely sold on his ability to hit for power. Although, um, if he develops close to that 90 rating, I agree that like uh, I agree with your assessment, Andy. He's probably a very solid. Uh, he's going to be a very solid number two hitter. Um, I I probably do like him more uh, as a prospect uh, than Regino, but I can understand why uh, why. Uh, why a, a Hokey went with a guy like Regino, who's young, who has good power, who looks like he has, uh, who looks really solid across the board and could develop into like a really great all-around pitcher if he hits. 
So and and exactly the type of pitcher that Hokie would would turn into a star. So I can totally go understand why Hokie went that direction and passed on McNamee. But I think I may have underrated him a bit on draft day, and uh, I think that was yeah definitely a really good pick for Maddie. Not one of the ones I ultimately chose as one of my best picks in the first round, but it was certainly quite a strong one. Uh, Maddie, I know you were surprised when McNamee fell to you. You said in the blog post, what were you looking at with in term it, at McNamee that makes you think that he's really going to be a star for you? Um, I actually think that my, my file, which, it, which it's, it's set up to project how um, what a guy will will look like when he peaks. Um, you know, it's going to be a 90-contact guy, a 90-I guy, uh, 80 power, 80 speed, and I think his defense will be good enough for center field. I don't really care what Mogul says, you know, because I think it has him like, like a 74 in, in center field, but I looked at um, Raul um, Deyanda De in on um, the the Cubs. Um, he he basically profiles about the same player. And last season, when uh, when we put him in center field, he did just just fine. So I don't think that that, that the lower grade is 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 going to hurt him. Um, yeah, I think I think he's a guy who you know right now probably he'll be a uh, two two hitter, but you know maybe he could be a, a leadoff guy if, if he walks enough. But yeah, I'm just really happy with him. Yeah, uh, so, certainly a player that looks uh, very interesting uh, and should and it'd be intriguing to see how he ultimately develops. Uh, Andy, what other picks did you like in the first round? Uh, I like GB's pick of uh, Solano. Late in the first round, um, he was a guy that was on my radar. Uh, I I know there are some flaws with him. There are some things not to like, but um, the guy looks like he's going to keep the ball in the ballpark. He's you know he's 20 years old, so he's got time to develop. He's going to have a nice fastball, probably two other pretty good pitches too if he develops well. Um, his endurance is low enough that that might help a little bit too. Um, I just think he's one of those guys that at, in the middle to late part of the first round was a gamble pick that I would have made. I don't know if he's got huge upside, but I could see him as being a mid-rotation guy, like a two or a three, maybe a low-end two or a high-end three. Um, so I kind of thought that was pretty good value with where he took him. Yeah, I, I was I, – so I was one of the guys I was looking at, but it was – there were a couple things that, that did worry me about him. I did like the combination of the fastball and, like, the decent control for his overall and the fact that he kept the ball in the park despite such a low overall rating, even in college. That really did impress me. My main concern was how much that health rating is going to cut into his overall development. Uh, yeah. More and more I've seen some of these pitchers develop. The health really does seem to make a fairly significant difference. And especially with a guy like Solano, whose control is better than his overall, but not by a ton, it could get to the point where uh, where that changes, especially when he gets closer to the 80s. And if we're looking at a guy who doesn't really have any blow-away rating right now and is already 20 years old, I do question how well he's ultimately going to develop and might end up just in between every rating and end up as a borderline guy for rotation as opposed to a guy that you can just throw in there really solidly. Uh, he might be one of those guys that you like to keep around in your organization but you're all, and might use every once in a while, but you're always looking for an upgrade for. 
And that's what really concerns me, and that's why I ultimately didn't take him at either of the first-round picks I had. Uh, but I, I can understand why G- what GB sees in him. I can understand what you see, see in him. I'm just really reluctant with some of those with with some of the downside to really uh, uh, to really call that a, a, a good pick. Uh, Maddie, do you have any particular feelings about Solano? Um, well, I asked about him in the trade for for Philly, so there's that. Um, you know, but I mean, I I like him. Um, I pretty much I think I kind of feel about what what you two do. You know, if he's good, it would be great. I don't know. I really don't think so. But there's a lot of things that you know to to like him. I think he's what like 20. Yeah, he's 20, so he's a bit older. He's a bit older for his his overall. But you know, sometimes they can just really jump when when they're in the 50s. You know, like you know maybe by August he could be a, a 64. So now he's not really old for his overall, so you don't really care anymore. Or he can just be a guy who might not speak out until he's 26 or 27. So him being you know older doesn't really matter. So, but yeah, I definitely see the low uh, owners. Um, you know, he's got a, a, a pretty good, you know, you know, base to his to his build. You know, to, you know, you know uh, I think where you want things to start out for the overall is about perfect. Yeah, um, I'm just. I, it just does concern me a little bit. Uh, just really does concern me a little bit about that high health. I, I I'm. I, it's just my instincts, whatever reason, and they're not great with amateur players, but they're telling me he's going to end up as one of those back-end, like, fives that you bounce between him and long reliever that never just sticks in a rotation, um, even if he gets to around an 80, and that kind of scares me. Um, it's certainly not what you'd expect from your first-round pick, although they can end up worse than that. Um, I just don't know if he's ever going to really reach um, – the potential a first-round pick really should. But, uh, again, I understand why GB made that pick. There was a reason I had him on my list despite those uh, failings and the low ground and the uh, low home run rate had absolutely a lot to do with it. Um, Maddie, what first-round picks did – Andy, do you have any first-round picks you really like left before we move on uh, to Maddie? I'm going to guess that the third one I wrote down probably will get touched on, so go ahead. Okay. Uh, Maddie, how about you? Yeah, I have four four guys. Obviously, Brian McGormley, Joe Heron, Joseph Bork, and Ryoke Gatto. Okay, you you counted Gatto as a first rounder. You can move him to your second round because uh, even though I know he was like a comp first rounder, I guess. Um, yeah, I still I still say that that comp picks are for are are for the round the the before it, so, but, because I actually have a lot on my second round, so anyways, just real quick, the sure. third baseman, I mean, he just has a lot of upside, I mean, I, he's, he's, he's a, uh, a, um, risky pick, but he's so young that I don't think it'll, it'll matter, you know, today, I like, because his contact and eye aren't really great, you know, now, but, was he, like, 16 or 17, so, you know, there's so 16, much, 16, yeah, yeah, so there's, there's so much time for him to, to you know, build on 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 those. So um, yeah, yeah. I, he was absolutely one of the ones I had on my list, and I had it for the same reasons. I just look at him, and despite some of the problems, I see a guy with huge power potential, great defense already, and I think you know, with him only being 16 years old, uh, if we look past five years of development, 
he's the guy that maybe in this entire draft I look at with the most the most likely to potentially end up a franchise player and to get that at ten is just is just a phenomenal value in my mind, even if it's a risky pick. I think the upside makes it absolutely worth it. Definitely. Um, and then with Heron, I see like another version of Donnie Redwine. You know, I think he's a guy who his contact is kind of borderline, but you know, it, it, I guess it's like one of those he can be a um, red, red, red wine or um, who was the first baseman like Joey Harris or Joey something who had, like, 68 contact and he was complete shit, but he had, like, really nice power and eye. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess um, he's a guy who is he's either not going to do anything or if his contact gets above 70, he's going to be amazing. And, uh, let's see, the next guy would be the outfielder by, by, by Peter. Yes, I'm actually saying that Peter made a great pick. I don't understand uh, how this guy fell so, so far. You know, I, I, think, you know, I think people look at his defense and don't think, think it's great, but for for me, I look more at the um, at the glove glove work and, and not the actual you know, fielding because for for the outfield, it's about catching the baseball, and that's what the um, glove you know is. So and he actually has a pretty good arm, so I think he will be very valuable out, out there in on um, on the corner, and you know his. This bat should just be very, very good. Yeah, I absolutely think I should have taken him at one of my first round picks. I think I whiffed on him. He was another pick I, I really liked. I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I, he wasn't really a guy I was targeting very much. But the more I look at him, the more I like him. And then the catcher, you know, I think he's probably the, the best catcher in the draft. And one thing that really caught my eye is with his handling and fielding. You know, with with those being so high, those tend to be the catchers that Mobile just like randomly gives like an an awesome arm. So if if that happens, you know, he could be a stud catcher. You know, he he, he kind of profiles like a uh, oh the catcher that I drafted for Seattle. I can't think of his name right now. The guy from Cincinnati, and then the catcher for the Brewers. It's about you know that that kind of uh, really high contact. Not much power, but a very good good eye too. So I think he is an excellent pick. Yeah. Well, uh, what when, when I saw him, I, I saw a one of the few catchers that I thought could actually play catcher in this draft, which I think made a big difference. The other thing I like about him is I like catchers that are that are either switch hitters or 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 really ba- or really balanced splits. Gato happens to have really balanced splits, and that matters to me because. I usually platoon my catcher position. So Gato is actually one of the few right-handed catchers that can play against right-handers and not embarrass himself if he develops. Uh, can hit probably toward the back end of a lineup, but still draw some walks and do relatively well for himself. I think he could end up at least like uh, in a starting catcher platoon for me one day. And um, I think most of the catch with, when, when catcher position was so weak in this draft that there were so few guys that you could legitimately start the fact that he has potential too uh, made me really think that he was that that he was really good value at that uh, in that uh, comp first round. Uh, so, yeah. So um, any so uh, I know that finishes Manny's first round pick. See, like the ones I had down 
were Montgomery going to Houston and uh, Orth going to Washington. Uh, Andy, were we correct in actually talking about one of the ones that you expected? No, I was going to say Salazano to Chicago was um, another. He was, I think, the third or fourth pitcher I liked, or third or fourth best pitcher I liked on the board. Um, I thought he was really good. Nice twenty-year-old. He's gonna, you know, he's about the same age as Solano, just a little more advanced. Um, but a good pitcher. I like him. I do not like McGormory. Well, I shouldn't say that I don't like him. I worry more about McGormory's splits than I worry about anything else. Those are some really pronounced splits in the wrong direction. Um, and how that plays out is going to make a big, big difference for him. Yeah, I mean, I, those, those are very concerning, and I think that was probably the reason people passed on him. Uh, that being said, he's young enough to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if that still develops into something uh, playable against righties at third base. Well, and, and to be frank, I mean, Mogul doesn't always follow those splits very well. You can yes. pull up all kinds of guys that aren't supposed to be able to hit left-handers that are hitting 400 against them for their career. So th- those aren't necessarily a problem, but, boy, those are dramatic. <laughs> they're really dramatic and in the direction you don't want them to be. Yeah, um, they're a concern. I can definitely say they're a concern, and it's <laughs> and it's and and if the guy weren't so like, – let's say if if I'm looking at the same player – and he's 19 instead of 16, I probably like him way less. And I might call him even right. potentially even a bust in the first round. But the fact that he's this young is, is what's leading me to like the pick as much as I do. No, I agree. He's got lots of time to develop. And, and like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how that element plays out because that is by far the biggest red flag on, on him, um, in right. my opinion. Right. So and I, I, had, I had Gatto on my list of second-round picks, so I would have also named him. As a as a guy I liked quite a bit, he was number one on my board for catchers, um, and I think he's going to look a lot like um, the catcher from Seattle, um, whatever his name is, and uh, Eldred. Yeah, I think he'll end up looking a lot like Eldred. I personally don't like that kind of hitter, but for a second round catcher who plays good defense, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I know you. I know you value power a whole lot, probably more than a lot of other owners do. Not, not just power. I, develop, I, I, I appreciate production. And just getting on base in Mogul is not enough. Right. And he, you just have to look at Hank Eldred's stats in his career, and you'll see that just getting on base isn't always enough. Right. Uh, I, but, you know, it, I think when you're evaluating positions that tend to be weaker on hitters like catcher and second base, yep. occasionally you need to – you, you need to. You're not always going to get a Vogel. So, or, no, I or, agree. I agree. I I don't look for that type of catcher, and I generally don't look for that type of player. But like I said, he was my top catcher, and if he was available when if I were picking in your spot, and he was available, I would have taken him too. I would yeah. just hit his ass ninth. That's right. All. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't imagine that I hit him high in the lineup unless there's injuries. Uh, even if he develops into what I think he can. So I'll put it that way. Um. Let's let's move on to the first round picks that we didn't like. I'm actually going to start off with this. Um, it, the one I know that there was a very that 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 Peter loved the moment where two chips went went consecutively in in the first round. Uh, chip Watson and Chip Doyle. Uh, I'm going to come out and say that the first chip that went off the board was probably the worst pick of the first round. Um, I didn't hate all of Arizona's picks, but I definitely didn't like this one. Um, I think that this has all the hallmarks of a bus pick. Um, Controls below the overall rating. 
Um, he got some signs of a home run problem, especially in college, and um, is already 21 years old. And I don't think there's too much more I need to say about it other than this. Yes, the fastball is like solid, uh, solid, but not even elite for that particular spot. Uh, the ground ball rate, it doesn't lead me to believe he's going to be like some sort of ground balling whiz kid that I can throw into a rotation. To me, uh, honestly, he looks like a reliever, and I don't know about a particularly dominant reliever in that, at that, uh, especially considering some of these mogul converts uh, to the bullpen tend to just get thrown out for, there for way too many innings because the computer manager does not know how to use them. So I, I don't see the upside with this pick. Maybe uh, Rendricks is hoping for a guy that just strikes out a lot of that. That strikes out is one, going for one of the true strikeout pitchers in this draft. But even that, he does not look like a first round pick. I'm not even certain he's better than most of the pitchers that went in the second and third round. To be honest with you, um, I, I just think that that pick was a real waste uh, uh, at that spot. And I know this next one was an auto pick, but again, it was to one of the newer owners, so. I think this was really a missed opportunity, especially. Uh, and that was Hamanaka going to uh, Milwaukee. He definitely has some potential as a hitter, but even if you compare him to the other DH catchers, I think Ed Caballero um, is likely going to be better than he is, if if only because of that extra year behind him and because his upside is a little bit better. Um, I, I just don't think Hamanaka is going to turn into anything really particularly good. I know he could probably technically play first base if you need him to, so that's probably a bit of an advantage, but even then, it's not going to look like a great first baseman, even with those num- even with those vitals that I'm seeing right now. Um, it might end up a DH anyway, even if you think he can play first, and uh, there's isn't really a ton in his profile that indicates to me that he's going to be any sort of dominant hitter. He looks like a pretty... He, he'll look like, in my mind, the, the, the upside is of a second division DH. And I think uh, some of the hitters taken after that, Joseph Orth uh, is going to be a better hitter than that. Um, I, I, I'd be inclined to think Marty Cowley is going to be a better hitter than that. And I'd say that Wetmore, although he's not there yet, has definitely the potential to be a better hitter than that. So I think that that was really a missed opportunity by Milwaukee. Uh, to really capitalize, I think uh, Baltimore definitely. Both Baltimore and Milwaukee should have gotten in their list, and I think that really would have helped them. But uh, I think Milwaukee will end up paying for the auto pick ultimately more than Baltimore does. Uh, so those are my two worst picks of the first round. Um, Andy, what picks did you not like in the first round? All right, I'm going to pick on Hokey twice. Actually, okay. Um, cool. I don't like I don't like Regino. Um, I I don't like him much at all. Um, I think even his upside, like his best case scenario, is that kind of pitcher that everybody doesn't like. The guy who's got the outrageously high movement and the other two vitals are low. Like I think that's his high end potential. I think he's gonna and he's left handed and he's got a low ground ball percentage. There's just so much that stinks about this guy. I don't I don't understand why people like him. Well, um, I know that Hokey especially doesn't go with the low too. ground ball pitchers as much as everyone else seems to. He, he right. actually goes with a lot of fly ball pitchers for some reason. Right. But either way, the guy's got a high endurance rating, which is going to hurt also um, when he as he starts to develop. And I I just look at this guy, and I I don't see much to like. I really don't. I just I don't see I don't see what Hokey saw. 
I think he's going to end up being a bust. I think he's going to be a back end starter probably. So you and think that's that he hurt. might? You think that he might end up in the Araldo zone? Um, yes, I think I don't remember Araldo's vitals off the top of my head. They were like around seventy, ninety, and eighty, or something like that. Right, I think be like one of those seventy, seventy, ninety guys that's obnoxious as hell. Um, I, 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 you know those those type of pitchers that you put in your fourth or fifth spot and you just hope they don't kill you. Yeah, and I don't know. He's certainly not the kind of pitcher that I normally go with, but I might see a little more upside potential than you, considering despite okay. the fly ball rate, he did keep the ball in the park quite a bit. Um, his power's already at 70 at 53 overall, which easily it's going to be a lot higher than that when he gets to. We can probably get to around an 85 or a 90. And his control's not ter- terrible for a 53. And it's, he's only 16 years old, and his, and his health isn't like killer high, although his endurance is. It could end up, he could end up really developing into a, uh, into a pitcher with really dramatic upside uh, and, and could end up into something special. I understand why you don't see it. Here's my comp. He's going to be Jim McFedrin. That's my comp. Jim Jim McFedrin. That's what he's going to be. Okay. Would you really want to take Jim McFedrin third overall? I probably don't think so. No, (laughs) but I think he could be better than Jim McFedrin if things go mostly right, or close to absolutely right, honestly. Um what what other hokey pick did you do you want to well, throw I'll under let, the bus let, and run know, over a little bit? I know Maddie wants to weigh in on that because I know Maddie has him as number one on his board. Okay, so what do you think of Regino, Maddie? Well, I don't really have him as number one, but I would have him as number two if, if I was going oh. for upside. You know, but anyways, see now why why I like him is with 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 my file. Has him at it, it, he ha, it has him as easily in in the 80s. Um, I think the reason why his GB percent is so low is because he's a power pitcher. His his power should end up close to 90. And honestly, I see him as another Garrett Shipman. Um, I think um, yeah, I, I, his his home runs are not going to be and. An issue and being in, in Florida, that's going to be even better. Um, you know, I see him being the guy that's probably a worst case, maybe a 75, you know, 85, you know, 90 guy. Now, that's not great, but again, that's worst case. And um, that's still someone who you would probably throw in, you know, as a starter. Um, but see, for someone that I didn't like, we, we talked about one of them, one of the chips. Uh, one of them that I have, it's technical second rounder, so I'll just let that slide. But I kind of, I might be stealing Andy Thunders, another Florida pick, and that is DeAndre Jackson. Am I right, Andy? No, I was going to pick on Plum. I like Plum. <laughs> oh, well, I really didn't like, like him either, so. But anyways, yeah. we'll go, I kind of figured we'll that's what you were going to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Although, yeah, because I think I did him as a two-star. But Jackson, why I didn't like him, I think I wrote that he's basically the guy that he looks like he's really, really good because he has, you know, those, those really nice starting vitals, and he's a guy that's a 93 peak, and he's really, really young. But I think that those, those home runs are incredibly high, I mean, terribly high. I think, I, 
know if he was a guy that was like a like a one five seven. Yeah, I mean that is just high, very very high. If you don't know, you know what what the stat is, I'll just tell you that's very high. Average is about one, and for you know every tenth that you actually go up in home runs for nine, it's a decent jump. So I just think he's a guy who's, he's yeah. I mean I think he'll he'll be startable, but he's not someone who you want to take at eight, especially with some of the pitchers who are taken after him. Yeah, he looks like a candidate for the Jim Riley zone, as I like to call it. Even if he ends up at all, like that home run is bad enough, and with the really crazy high fly ball rate, he could end up even as a 90-90-90 that never puts up good numbers. Definitely. I, I mean, I don't like it for the same reasons I don't like, um, you know, <laughs> I, think, I think they're cut from the same cloth. Um, so, yeah. Also not a fan of Jackson either. Uh, I mean, Jackson has, okay, in Regino's defense, he's A, two years younger, and B, uh, has nowhere near any signs of a home run problem as bad as Jackson's. No, you're right. The home run problem is worse. There, there yeah. is, That is absolutely true. Um, I, would, I would completely agree with that. I just think they're going to end up developing the same way. Their control is not going to get high enough to make up for the the imbalance in the in the movement rating. And I think they're both going to get crushed. Mm-hmm. Well, right. and, and that Jackson has a very high endurance and health. That's really that also good. hurts him. Yep, you're right. Yeah, that also lot. hurts. A lot, a lot. I, 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 I agree. DeAndre Jackson is a worse prospect than Regino, but Regino is also taken third overall in front of a guy in McNamee that I like quite a bit. So. That's part of my criticism. And then the other guy I was going to go with as long as we're on the hokey bashing um, circuit here. Well, I don't okay. understand. I don't understand what Peter, he likes about Peter is probably fapping to this part of the podcast yeah. in replay, okay. by the way. I have no idea what he sees in Lance Plum. I, I don't. Um, his his minor league numbers are pretty decent. and his, I mean, his college and high school numbers, but he's also really old. Um, and his... And his um, and his vitals are pretty good for being, you know, a twenty-year-old um, high school player. Apparently, uh, it, he's going to be a decent defender, and yeah, he's a switch hitter. But I think he's going to be terrible. Yeah, I mean, his vitals aren't bad for a sixty-six, and he does have the good throwing arm. But at twenty-one years old and just coming off a pretty major drop, that's that's a scary pick to make. Um, you know, he's not going to be a huge speed guy. The eye doesn't look great. Um, he looks like he's going to get to the point where he's just one of those sort of, like, even if he gets to an 82, I'm thinking he's just one of those, like, good kind of outfielders that everyone's just trading around the league and ends up on, like, five teams in his first six years or something like that. Like, oh, he's a switch-hitting outfielder. I'll try for him, and then he doesn't put up the numbers you want, and then you end up dealing him, and then you end up dealing him again. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he probably can't play center field. I know that he has a couple games there, and they're not terrible. But honestly, in the few games that he did play, he had an, an error, which makes me believe that he's going to make a lot of errors if you actually put him in center field. Because, well, that's how mogul goes. If you, have to, if you don't have anything there, you're god-awful, and you're you're worse than a rock. And if you do have something and, and, and they suck, then you suck. So. He's on a stop. Yep. Uh, we'll move on.
on to the second through fourth uh, round picks that we liked to get back on the happy train uh, or whatever that is. Uh, uh, Maddie, we'll start with you. What were some picks that you really liked in those rounds? Oh, gosh. I have like five of them. I, re- I-, I liked a good amount of picks. Um, I guess if you come, if you guys talk and there's time to come back, you can come back to me. But I'll start off with we didn't talk really well about, about the chips in the first round. I know I didn't like um, your chip all, all that well. You know, I didn't think it was decent. But anyways, the one chip that I did like was Chip Coward. Um, I forget kind of why I like him. I just kind of wrote a name down. But, you know, I mean, for, I guess for one, he has a pretty good name. I think Mogul, they, they kind of tend to like good names for some reason. I don't know why, but, you know, good, strong names. You're going to be a, probably a good, strong player. I think he is a good. By the way, player. by the way, all I'm picturing you is you furiously like clicking your computer to get to the player card and just like trying to stall until then. That's basically what it was. Um, <laughs> I think. Yeah, okay, so I think he is a guy who I would probably go make a starter right now. I think his control is at a is is at a good, um, decent, you know. Um, spot for his uh, overall. His pitches are solid, not great, but they're solid. And his movement eventually will catch up. I know he's 21, but like I said earlier, those those guys in in the 50s they can just have a crazy jump to the 60s, you know. And now suddenly he's a really good prospect. And I think he was a guy. What do you think? You're taking the fourth round. Yeah, he was a guy who I was hoping would just fall just a few more picks. I think I picked like 113 or something, and I really wanted him. So he was the one guy that I really, really liked. I, I did like him a little bit. I don't think he'd be someone I'd call one of the top picks, but uh, I did like, you know, the control distance from the overall. Uh, his age is probably what would keep me from converting him because I'm not, just not sure how much upside he has. And I'll put it this way. If he ends up in, like, the mid to high 70s, I think he's probably still a reliever. If he can really jump into that 80s range, then I might think he could, like, last as a starter. But I'd be really wary of converting him and then not having him get good enough as a starter to really stick. And I think if you kept him as a reliever, at least initially, and then waited to see how his development was going, and then thinking of converting him to a starter, then I think he might be better off. But um, we'll see how that goes. Um, I certainly wouldn't convert him right now, but... I can see maybe some upside as a back-end starter if things go well. The consistently low home run rate is something that I really liked, especially considering that he was only a 50 overall at best for any of those years. So um, that's a good sign. Um, uh, Andy, what was the pick in the in the second through fourth rounds that you really liked? Um, we talked about Gatto. I'll, I'll give Hokey um, a compliment here. I liked Overby. Um, yeah, that was the one I was here. gonna. That was definitely one of the ones I was gonna mention. I thought um, mid second round getting him was an excellent pick. I frankly I like him better than the two picks he picked made in the top ten. Um, but I mean, you're talking about a 19 year old with good ground ball percentage. He looks like he's gonna keep He's gonna keep the ball in the park. That seems very very clear. Um, he's got a ton of room to grow and. I mean, he could end up being one of the true steals of this draft if he's got the time to develop into what he could be. I think I think he could end up being a really, really good pitcher. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I, I like some of the things uh, about him. 
the home run, the low uh, fastball does scare me a bit. But other than that, he's he's really sort of the prototypical pitcher I like, like the high control and just let the rest of this stuff develop towards it. The exceedingly high ground ball rate, obviously, I'm a fan of. He does seem like the type of pitcher that I would turn into a into just one of those like, oh, he's just sort of a starter in the 80s. What would you want him for that just pumps out year after year of really solid numbers? I, I think – uh, I don't know that I like him better than than uh, Regino. I might like him better than DeAndre Jackson, though. Yeah, I and think saying um, a lot. I think for being whatever that would be, like the fiftieth overall pick, I thought he was a real, real good pick. Right. Um, he was one of the ones I mentioned. I'll mention another pitcher that I really liked in the third round, and he was a guy that I was hoping would fall to my pick just a couple picks after this at seventy-five. But, uh, but excuse me, I want to say Brian Montgomery. I don't know why. But Dave Montgomery, who went to the, uh, who went to the yep. Rays, uh, looked like really, really, really strong to me as a, as a selection. Uh, controls 15 over his overall of 52. Uh, his fastball is actually fairly good for a 52 overall. And he's got at least another really solid-looking pitch in the curveball. Uh, he's 20. But, you know, last two years, kept the ball in the park, got that 60, around 60% ground ball rate. Uh, to me, he looks, looks like a very, very good starter down the road. Even if he only gets to around a 77, um, he can probably at least be a good back-end starter for a team. And I think if you're a team like the Rays, especially, that doesn't have a big market, to get guys like that young and cost-controlled uh, that you can maybe keep around for a while and that won't – ever demand a huge salary, even if they put up big numbers because their rating isn't that good, it's exactly the kind of guy you're going to want. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He was on. He was the guy I was hoping to have drops me, too. I liked him quite yeah. a bit. Yep. Um, so, Maddie, what were some other picks in the second through fourth round that you liked? Oh, well, there, there are a couple more. I think one of you two might touch on one of them. If not, I'll just throw his name out real quick afterwards. But I do think our Texan needs some some love in there. I really liked one of his picks. I kind of had a Chris Chris Foley moment of, Dear God, no! Because <laughs> I kind of messed up. Because I, I had this guy as a mid-second. And when I had my third-round pick, I took someone else because I overlooked him. But that is Mark. Friedman, um, you know, he's a guy who is very, very young. I think his build is pretty good for for his uh, overall and age. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy who I would probably, you know, wait for a bit. But I think he can eventually be a, uh, a starter, you know. And, um, yeah, I just, it's one of those picks where right after he was taken, I said, shit. I wanted him, and I actually had him as a mid-second. Not to the guy with a mid third, you know, who I um who who I thought was a mid third in my um my third round pick. So yeah, I, I he's he uh, he's a good pick and he's a guy who I would watch closely and if his control gets gets there, I would make the move to starter. What uh what was the name on this guy again? I missed it. Friedman. Mark Friedman. Oh. Gotcha. Well. Yeah, I like him. Andy, Andy, using just a great, uh, uh, just just a great quantity of words to describe his feelings about him. Um, hey, sometimes it doesn't take much, you know. <laughs> um, Andy was another guy you really liked in the second through fourth rounds. 
Um, I liked uh, Kaufman, that uh, Minnesota pick. Let me find him here real quick, the center fielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a round pick. Um, 17 years old, left-handed. You know, he's probably not going to be a great um, defensive center fielder, but I think he's going to be a pretty competent player for uh, Rumble down the line. Maybe not great, but um, I think pretty good. A guy who can give you some steals, some home runs, some decent defense, um, kind of a, a pretty solid left-handed platoon option. And a, a good left-handed platoon option is a pretty valuable player. Yeah, uh, definitely, especially the the superior side of the platoon, the one you want to fill uh, much, much more. I do like the high strikeout rate with him uh, is, is a good sign. I think for his development down the road, especially considering he doesn't have that great contact. Uh, his defense is a bit scary, but you know, uh, with that, that speed and power combination could really be something interesting. Um, a guy that jumps, he could be. Uh, I don't know if he's as good, going to be as good as Francis Wiles, but could end up at least that ballpark of player. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, one guy I really liked, and I know now we're going from like bashing Hokey to praising Hokey, so we've really killed Peter's boner by now. Um, I really like, I, I really like Sergio Souza. Um, I think that's a very, very wise pick by Hokey, uh, in the second round. Uh, Souza with the high ground ball rate and, and, uh, both the strong movement and control for a 53 overall, I think is going to be one of those. And, and I know Hokey doesn't convert a ton. Uh, I think he should convert him. Uh, I absolutely believe he should convert him. He looks like one of those uh, back-end starters that you just love to throw out there in the rotation. Uh, looks to me a lot like uh, – it looks to me a lot like um, uh, someone like Dylan Mills did. Uh, back in the day. Uh, I think that's the kind of player he's going to turn into. I think he's going to be a very, very, uh, a very, very valuable player for someone down the road. Yeah, I like, I had Sousa pretty high on my board, too. Um, <clears throat> I, I was hoping he was going to last to the Angels pick that round. He was, yeah. uh, he was the guy I was hanging on for. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the, oh, wait, if no, you had I'm gotten sorry. him for Harold, really, he really should have thanked you for a pick like that. No, I actually I took somebody. I had it was uh, that's what it was. I was debating between Sousa and the guy I took, which was Alan, Alan Presti. Yeah, um, another guy I like quite a bit. So I was debating between them. Yep. Um, a- any other picks in the second through fourth round that people really liked? I'm I'm through with mine. So. Yeah, I'm good too. Okay, uh, Maddie. And Matty appears to have exploded. So, uh, <laughs> he's yeah, he's actually not on the line right now. I'll wait. I, I won't, we won't wait too long till he gets back. Um, uh, his phone may have exploded. Uh, he may have been. Um, uh, oop! Nope, he's back. Uh, I think it's like Beetlejuice. I think we said his name three times. Uh, Matty, are you back on the line officially? And now he's muted again, and now he should actually be unmuted. Uh, Matthew? Yes, sir. Okay. So, yes, we, you were not on the line. Any other second through fourth rounders that we didn't mention? Oh, I don't know, because I meant to put mute, and I actually ended the call. <laughs> so, let's see, let's see. The other 
the other three would be Jim Binder by Detroit, Justin Williams of Minnesota, so or Brian King of Baltimore. We didn't say any here. of those, so go nuts. No, I don't know about that. I mean, because Brian King, he was an auto pick, so how much credit do you really give that? But I do like him. I think there's some potential there. I forget why. I really don't care about looking him up, but I remember I liked him. I think he's right. played two positions. But Binder, I think Binder is the one who I really love talking about. He was, one, he was one of the guys that I think I actually like projected as like a, like a fourth-round pick. Cause I kind of thought he would be there. But going back to question number one about, you know, about the, about the draft, people just getting better, I think that's one of those that after the draft kind of, you know, settled down, I thought, you know, maybe that's not a real bad pick because he's a guy who, you know, you know his his peak doesn't really fit the, uh, I think it was a second-round pick, yeah, second-round pick, a, a mid-second, but was controlled it that high. He's, a, uh, uh, he's another guy who I would, so I would instantly move to uh, to starters, and um, you know it's it, it's a gamble, but it's a guy that if it works out, you could potentially have a a, a starter who is very 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 good. Yep. Um, anyone else that you really uh, in, in anyone else? Um, that Justin Williams of Minnesota. I kind of forget why I liked him, but I think he was really young. I know he's a pitcher. That's about all I know about him. Let's see. Yeah, you know, he's another guy who, you know, I just think for him being so, so young, you really don't know exactly what he's going to be. But I do like the fact that he has low, low health. I think he needs to stay as a, you know, in, in a bullpen. But I think he's a guy who, again, like I said, with the low health, will really make his uh, 81 peak kind of stand out. You know, he's kind of a guy who, if he peaks out at an 81, he probably plays like he's in 83, 84, you know, something, something around there. I think you get really good value. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, Binder was definitely a guy that I, I thought about drafting. Um, higher home run rate than maybe some of the other guys I mentioned, but some really good amateur numbers as well. So maybe that plays into his favor. Um, what I'll, we'll move on to the fifth and sixth round. I will say that the two picks I'm going to mention here are two of my favorite fifth and sixth round picks ever in the history of the draft in terms of just, I think, in terms of just raw value because both of these guys, I didn't have a pick after really round four, which was still technically round three. And I was, and I had both these guys still at reasonable spots on my list when I made my last pick. So that should give you a clue as to how much more highly I thought of them than they ended up getting selected. Um, but, Andy, we'll start with you. Who are some fifth and sixth round picks that you thought could be a thing? So you go on a three-minute tease and then talk over to me. That's that's fun. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. We'll have to fire our producer. I liked uh, Stanley Lazul for San Diego, um, 15th pick in the fifth round. A left-handed first baseman who looks like he could hit a little bit. Um, not going to be a great player, and I guess we'll see how much time he has to develop because he's 21 already. But at least you got vitals in the right spot, um, some power and some eye. And then the other guy, there is no Stanley, only Wazul. <laughs> the other guy that I liked was a pick I made. But I don't know if he was a fifth or sixth rounder. Yes, he was. Um, I liked Howie Turner. Um, I thought I got tremendous value with Howie Turner in the fifth round. Um, and he already jumped once um, since the draft, which is even better. 
So I think uh, I think I got a guy who can be probably a relief pitcher in the end, but a pretty confident one. So I was pretty happy to get him. Yeah, yeah, certainly a sol- uh, I think potentially a pretty solid guy. But again, two picks I liked better, and maybe even a, co- a ho- maybe I'll even be praising a host for this to add to the double teasing action, which will result in me tossing it over to Maddie. Maddie, what were some fifth and sixth round picks that you liked? I got three of them. I have a real interesting one that maybe we'll come back to. Again, I, I, don't know, I find myself liking a lot of the uh, uh, Orioles picks, which kind of sucks because they were in an auto draft. So it sucks because I really like their DH in the first round. I talked about one of the guys in the second and third round. And another guy I like is Josh um, Mungelo. I don't know who he is or what's going on, but he was a name of mine, so we'll have to go type him in real quick. Yeah, shortstop. He, uh, he, uh, he, he's a guy who is very, you know, who doesn't have probably um, much time to grow, but he's a guy who, um, you know, if if he booms, he could be pretty good. You know, he has a very good defense. Um, he has a pretty solid eye, decent speed. So it's all about if his contact, you know, comes around and he, and, and he actually hits. So I think, you know, I think he'll, in the worst case, be a nice backup because, as we know, Mobile doesn't like to give you know, players, you know, um, multiple spots to play. But since he can play shortstop, second base, and if he can get some a few games at third base, you know, he'll, he'll at least be an option put on the bench. So I think, you know, to play, you know, three spots is pretty valuable. Yes, definitely. I really like those guys filling out your bench. So, Anytime you get a guy who can at least, like, functionally play a position, even though it isn't great, it's much better than your computer manager playing your catcher at third base or your third baseman in right field or whatever stupid thing that it wants to do. Right, or or even your, you know, all-star, you know, caliber defense shortstop. But since Mogul says he can only play shortstop, he's a butcher at third base, and even someone like a Chris Johnson could play third base better than him, which makes I, no sense whatsoever. I, I, I I always I always love picturing that like a all, <laughs> you move like an all star shortstop to third base and like line drives start bouncing off his head or all sorts of weird things start happening yeah. like he suddenly just he, it's like he gets his talent sucked away like in Space Jam he just loses any of any and all reflexes exactly it's like um, it's basically like well for the actual Braves you have Simba at shortstop and Chris Johnson at third base but you move Simba to third. To third base, and all of a sudden he can't steal the drum ball to save his life. It's like, how would that happen? That that would not happen at all. I mean, Simmons would make an excellent third base too. Probably, you know, he might be. You know, he he's the best shortstop, you know, in 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 the game, and he might be the best fielding third third baseman too. So yeah, but I mean, Mogul doing that just makes zero sense. But it's what it does. So that's why. That's why I'm I'm kind of fine with you know making the uh, the uh, 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 later picks just saying okay this guy probably isn't going to start but you know for the twenty you know thirty games that he actually does start I'm not putting some guy you know in the field who absolutely cannot field that spot right and I know the system of like their old player conversion system was abusable in terms of like converting players to certain positions. That wasn't necessarily realistic realistic results, but to be honest, it came out with better results overall than this new system of just 
everyone has sort of predicted stats at a bunch of positions. But, you know, half the time it's like they have one dominant position and like 10 predicted games at another, so they're just going to stink no matter what they end up putting in that in that spot. So, you know, just I, I actually preferred the system the other way, but uh, whatever, it's what we got. Yeah, it's like the uh, the, uh, the center fielder that I had in Seattle when I first took over, like Guillermo Meza. I yeah. Think he was basically like an all-star fielder in center field. He was pretty good in right field, but left field, he had like an 846, you know, fielding. And it was like, so basically, he's really good at catching a fly ball in the center field and right field, but I took him over and left, and I guess the life just kind of fucked with him, and he can't catch a fly ball anymore. Yes, it, it, if it weren't for that unfortunate black hole in left field, it, it, he probably would have caught more baseballs. Um, yeah. I'll say, uh, I'll say these. I really did like these two picks, and these were guys I was considering uh, pretty actually around the fourth round. One is the pick to Arizona in the one of the picks to Arizona in the fifth round, Gaetan DeSalzo. Uh, I know it's really strange to like. Like a 21-year-old first baseman that doesn't field well and has bad health. But as 21-year-old first basemen who don't field well and have bad health go, Gaetan DeSalzo is actually pretty interesting. Um, his splits are relatively well-balanced, so I think if he gets up into around that 80 range, he'll actually come up with some pretty impressive like numbers from both sides of the plate. Um, I don't know that... Um, I don't know that he's ever going to be an elite fielder, but I don't think he'll be a butcher at first base. And I think one thing that people overlooked with him was the fact that he had a much higher peak rating and came down. I think part of that was just the drop from his birthday being in April. And I think if we look at the original draft file, his, his peak will be a lot higher. I, I don't know. But up until that weird drop, his his peak was moving pretty steadily up. So I think like with a jump, he can get back on track to being much, much better than even that peak rating as a as a potential caliber prospect. And and I think as his fifth rounders go, he's got a lot more upside than I would have thought. I, I just like some I just like a lot of what he brings to the table. Uh I know a lot of people will think like that's sort of a weird pick to like, especially considering his age. But I think he just has honestly much better upside than most fifth round picks do at this point and could turn into something fairly interesting. The other one was actually one of the last picks of the draft. Uh, is all the way down at 154. But this is a guy I was considering taking in the fourth round, and that's Rob Mashayek. So this is one of uh, this is one of uh, uh, this is one of uh, Maddie's picks. So good job, Maddie. Uh, Mashayek is uh, actually a pretty decent prospect. His control does beat his overall a little bit right now. Has some pretty solid all-around pitches and a high ground ball rate and a good low rate of uh, low rate of home runs. He's only 19 years old, so I think he has a shot to get up into that 80 range and turn into something relatively useful. I don't necessarily know if it'll be as a starter. Maybe it'll be as like a, a solid reliever, but with his endurance that low, you can probably convert him down to a fairly good reliever without too much of a problem. And I think just as a raw pitching talent goes, I ended up going with Van Vechten at that point. But I think you can make a reasonable argument that you can go. You should have. I should have gone with the younger Mashiak in that spot, and it wouldn't have been necessarily a bad pick at that fourth round spot. So to get him two entire rounds later is really impressive in my mind, Maddie. I think that was good. Good scouting by you. Yeah, I'm pretty good at what I do. I know. 
No, but I guess just to say him real quick, I think really the reason why I like him is that he's so young. I mean, that's really what I try to do in in the last few rounds. I kind of take guys who are very, very young, you know, because you never know what can actually happen. Um, you know, I think probably need to let Andy talk, but I can come back to this for my my last um, nice my stick on the uh, the later round. Yeah, uh, Andy. Anything? Uh, uh, anything else you want to add about the last round of this draft, or either of you? No, not really. I mean, I think um, we touched on a few of the guys, um, but I, I'm not sure many of them will turn out to be a whole lot. <laughs> so yes, well, I mean, they can say about a lot of guys. Pretty much anywhere they're taken in this draft, but you know, especially the later rounds, where yep. guys have a lot more wrinkles, but you'd have to, you know, you have to love and respect them for who they are. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, Andy, I think Andy is actually right that that these guys probably aren't, aren't going to be much. Like, uh, like I was starting, uh, like I started to say, guys are taking on the fifth and sixth round. I kind of look for guys who are really young. And the one thing that I actually like was Houston taking Graham Logan. Yeah, um, he's a guy now who looks like he can't hit through so much, but he's solid in in the field. So he's someone that if he actually can hit. Um, he should be pretty, pretty, you know, pretty good. And someone who, who, um, who I look at is years ago when I signed um, Brian Turner as a free agent. I signed him because he was 16 years old. You know, you have no idea what that guy is going to be. He, you know, now, you know, he's like, you know, he's a 60, you know, 75. He looks like crap. Even. But with, but with him being so young. There's so much time for something to happen. And now Brian Turner looks like a pretty solid uh, uh, second baseman for the Giants. You know, he's a pretty good good hitter in a in, in a pitcher park. And at least his, his defense was vital. They look solid. Um, one thing's for sure, he does not make, make any errors. So, you know, something that takes the guy who is, you know, under 20 and hope that something good happens in you know, look for the one or two good things in his in his uh, vitals, which I think Andy has has actually harped in the past. And if the other things you know work work for him, then you've got yourself a usable player. Yep. Uh, so now, uh, what I I'm going to abstain from this part. I don't think I really had a team that that stood out to me for this. Uh, so I'm not going to pick my favorite draft. So tell with all of you uh but uh, andy what was your favorite draft i couldn't find one either um <laughs> so I, it wasn't just me it was just everyone no. sort of was just it just sort of happened yeah i i i looked i tried i i thought about some things but in the end I, I there's no one i can really point in and be like oh yeah this person had an above and beyond draft this year and i just can't find that person so uh yeah. i also would I also would agree that I didn't I didn't find one. I thought there were a lot of solid drafts this year. So Maddie, was there one that stood out to you or are we all joining the eh, <laughs> everyone gets a B bandwagon? Well, you know, I think I probably see like Cleveland. I think they had a pretty nice draft. Okay. Uh, so no, the- seriously, there were actually a couple of drafts that I really liked. Um I liked I basically it's kind of a a G G dollars theme. I liked the uh, Orioles draft. I got lucky, but I think they got some some players that are pretty pretty good. You know, pretty good. Um, I also liked the Mets draft. I, I liked your your draft. I liked 
the player that you took. But for the best draft, I went with one of my my rivals here, and that would be the Detroit Tigers. You know, he uh, he he didn't have this this pick that you go, wow, that guy fell to the second third round. But he took guys who have a lot of upside. You know, uh, I think uh, most of his pitchers were some of the rounds like 52, you know, 80. So there's a ton of room to uh, to grow there. So you know, um, there's there's risk there, but it's a guy that if they hit, you know, they could be very very good. So I like you know I I just I I like the way that a GB went with those picks. Yeah, I, I I mean he was one of the ones that I guess was I was like considering. I, I just the fact that there wasn't really a pick that just blew me away at any spot was probably part of it. Like Wilcox was a fine pick at twelve, but was it a great pick for twelve? No. I mean Solano was probably the closest. Maybe Joseph Anderson in the third round was probably like the best value he got. But even then, I'm not like saying, oh, those guys should have gone way earlier. It's like, well, maybe that's probably good value for that spot. Um, I think it was just a pretty solid draft by GB. I think he sticks to sort of his plan where he doesn't get too caught up in the peak rating and just goes with guys that he really trusts the builds of. And I think he, he's been very, very disciplined with that, maybe more so than any other owner in the league. And I think that mostly does pay off for him. I think this was a good segment because we had so many picks the best draft and we jinxed GB all in the same. All in the same oh, yeah, segment. this is really, really one of our, really one of our best. I think all around. It was, it was an efficient, so, it was an efficient uh, segment right there. Right. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, discussion of the Hall of Fame. We have three new uh, Hall of Famers. We have uh, two pitchers, uh, Aaron Anderson and uh, Savon Brown, getting in. Um, and uh, Eric Wordsworth, the center fielder, uh, the longtime center fielder, getting in. I don't think any real surprise – I think we can all admit off the bat that we're not surprised that any of those three got in. I think, you know, with Brown, I think there was a consensus that he was definitely getting in this year. I think AAA had been well-known as a Hall of Fame candidate for a number of years just because of all that time in Toronto, and uh, Wordsworth had 3,000 hits. So I think that kind of locked up his case. Um, I think the real question is, outside of those three, were you surprised anyone else didn't get in, Andy? Um, not really. I thought I, I thought those were the three that deserved to make it. Um, I was a little surprised that uh, Musgrove didn't last longer on the list, um, that he was eliminated as quickly as he was. I don't think he was Hall of Fame worthy, um, but I was a little surprised how quickly he got dropped from the ballot. Um and then, oh no, I'm sorry, he's returning. It wasn't him? Oh, it was, it was El Toro and uh, <clears throat> McConnell that I was surprised dropped off because they got less than 25. percent So, um, no, right. I think things I think things went pretty much the way I would have expected them to. Right. Um, I know, I, I, and Maddie, I know that the main <laughs> thing you were surprised by, or at least something that stood out to you, was the fact that despite Warsworth had over 3,000 hits. He wasn't a unanimous Hall of Famer. Uh, do you do you think that like the other owners who didn't vote for him really dropped the ball there? Um, I, I think you know when I when I made the comments, I think I was kind of more out of you know passion and whatnot. Maybe they weren't really warranted as much. But honestly, looking through the numbers, as, as far as I can tell, he 
is probably our our leader in in doubles. You know, and as far as the stats go, they've found that you know home runs aren't as you know aren't twice as valuable as doubles. So the doubles are pretty pretty valuable too. So he added a lot. It wasn't just him you know slapping out three thousand hits, which uh, at least to the uh, uh, record page, we only have three guys who have done that. So you know that's that's pretty pretty good there too. But you know I I think really where I see that with the uh, Hall of Famers is I do kind of want to rip Aaron Anderson just a little bit. You know, he definitely is a Hall of Famer. But when you look at him next to Stephon Brown, and that, that, that Brown took a year to actually get in, I think Brown looks clearly better. You know, um, uh, you know um, Brown's ERA is, is better. And one thing that I noticed with Anderson is that his home runs to nine is basically averaged by the active S uh, um, league, league standards, and for the Hall of Famers, he probably has one of the worst, you know, ones, you know, there. So he's a guy that I, I kind of say that if Brown took a year to 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 get in, then Anderson probably should have too. Right. Um, he he still needs in. Right. Uh, I think that home run rate, at least partially in my mind, is explained by the fact that that Toronto consistently has been a hitter's park, was a hitter's park, and he spent so many years there. That may have influenced the numbers a bit. Um, I'm a little surprised, not necessarily that AA got it on the first ballot, but that he was unanimous. Uh, I think that might be partially a reputation vote or partially a fame vote. I think it's easy to forget that even though we're dealing with fictional players in ultimately a fictional league, um, we're, we do get influenced to some extent by like them being on well-known teams or by being on like really or like really famous players owned by, you know, or part of or if they were part of dynasties or something like that. I think um it, when in our discussion of Joe Scarth when he got in on the first ballot, I do think that there was just this perception of him as a Hall of Famer and a perception of him as an integral part of those great hokey teams that turned around Texas that helped to push him in even more so than numbers being necessarily elite for a Hall of Famer. And I think that the same thing that pushed Scarth in so quickly is in my mind what pushed Anderson in and what made him a unanimous vote. I was admittedly really surprised that he was unanimous. But I do ultimately think that, yes, he should have been in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he's worthy of being there. But I, I, I'm willing to say that, that he doesn't necessarily stand up to, necess- to like n- directly next to some of the other pitchers that have gotten in over the last few years. Definitely. I mean, you know, I, I mean, because I mean, Andy talked about him all the time. You know, he always hyped him up, which, I mean, I would do, too. I've done, too, you know. Um but, you know, I mean, and he also gave him a very catchy um, nick, nick, nickname, too. So, you know, that stuff kind of catches on. I think people said, yeah, double A. Yep. He's, uh, he, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's got to be. But then when you say, you know, he had like a 3.48 ERA, a 103, home runs for nine, you know, that really doesn't stack up to the, you know, best of, of, of the best. So it's kind of like, wow, he got in on the first time and everyone said, yeah. You know, I guess so. Yeah. But if we're going to compare him to another hall, uh, another like probably unanimous Hall of Famer, I don't remember exactly who the vote was. I don't think he's good of a pitcher as let's say Toby Horton, but uh, 
definitely a damn good one. Uh, Andy, you you were uh, you were his owner. I know it just seems always weird to say that uh, over the years. Just uh, what did you think of Double uh, A uh, ultimately as a player? I, I I get the home run rate, but yeah, he pitched in Toronto. Toronto was was a home run. It was it was a hitter's haven. Um, yeah. You'll see the same result if you look at Alejandro Castilla's home run rate. At the end of the day, home run rate only matters relative to what the guy actually did as a pitcher. Like, I don't care if you give up three home runs a game if you only give up three runs that game. Um, it, home runs are, to me, it's it's very context-based. Now, granted, you don't want to give up home runs. That's very true. But I don't think that stat alone in and of itself should be held against the player as long as the rest of his stats you know, back up the fact that the guy's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Being a 13-time All-Star in Mogul is not an easy thing to do, um, mostly because Mogul is fluky as hell with All-Star ratings. So to be good enough to get in there 13 times tells you the guy, relative to his competition, was a really damn good pitcher. Um, now, I think he was not as good as Savon Brown. I would say Savon Brown was a, was a better pitcher than he was, um, but – Double A was a hell of an arm um, and a guy that was integral to a lot of success I had in Toronto. Like, I mean, when you're the top pitcher on the best team in the file for a decade, that kind of, that kind of says something. Right. And I think uh, sort of, do you agree to some extent though, with my point that maybe um, his name recognition pushed him up and made him unanimous more than that? I think Scarth was a more egregious um, uh, sample of that. But, yes, I agree that name recognition was a big thing for him. Definitely. Yeah. But uh, good to have him in there. It's the importance of a catchy nickname. I don't think this player will ever get in the meta dimension, but I think maybe EA will be helped by that come voting time, although uh, no. his rating is falling a little too much, a little too fast. Although production's holding up okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's gonna. I'm not sure he's gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it if he's down to an 81 in his 81 rating in his 30s. Although I'm sure he'll, next year he'll when he hits free agency, the Mets will give him a nice pity contract. He'll have been a just fine player for seven years, but I not good enough. Yeah, not unless he has like a late career steroids resurgence and gets to 3,000 hits. In which case, Andy still probably also wouldn't vote for him. <laughs> I know I, I he would have to have a Brady Anderson type resurgence. <laughs> so oh God, I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen. Oh I never that, put I, together I never put together that he would be related to Brady. I should have I should have thought of that. Damn it. Yeah. Uh yeah. missed opportunities, my man. Missed opportunities. Um so uh as as much as this is a eulogy to the Toxic Avengers career, we'll move on from that and talk about some teams that will bounce back in the from their weak first half or cool off from their strong first half. Andy, what was a team that you think has just dropped the ball so far in the first half that will recover, find the ball, and um, end up taking it over the finish line? I I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I had I had trouble with this one because I think where things are now are is probably about where they're going to finish, give or take. Um, I, I don't see anybody that's, like, on the outside that might push their way in. Maybe maybe St. Louis or Pittsburgh recovers enough to push for a wild-card spot, but I'm not even sure that's going to happen. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I know a team you were surprised by legitimately that you thought was going to be good was Atlanta, but have you just written them off? I I don't know. You know, Stang is outstanding at, a, at accumulating talent. He has struggled time and time again at building a cohesive team. Like, he, he, you look at his roster and he's like, oh, yeah, look all the talent Stang has, has put together. This is maybe the, what, fifth time that's happened in yeah. Atlanta? Um, and, and then you go and you look at the results and you go, it always stinks. No matter what talent he puts together, he just, I don't know if it's that he doesn't have a particular vision, he just accumulates talent and it's not, it doesn't fit together right. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to write this team off, though, because I think, they're, I think they are talented and I think he will be much better next year. But it is a recurring problem he's had um, in Detroit and in Atlanta. It, it seems like whatever uh, secret sauce that Mike seems to have when it comes to, like, just fit, fitting things together, and I don't mean to brag, but I also think to some extent that I have to take teams that don't have a ton of talent and just fit them together in the right way to squeeze out the most wins. But, you know, Mike has had that voodoo probably even more so and for longer than I ever had. It just seems like for whatever reason, Stang has the opposite of it. Like, he can have a team with, like, as much or more talent, but it just seems like, for whatever reason, it just never seems to click for him. I can point to some things that are that are troubling for that team. Um, I thought the defense would be an issue, um, and it has been, and I think that that's part of it. But I also think that that pitching staff, with outside of McLewis and maybe Tart, um, really doesn't look as good, really looks better on paper than they actually are. And I think the back end of that pitching staff is really, really hurting that team, maybe even more so than the ERAs are pointing out. Um, I would definitely consider, um, I know like the whole thing of like an interdivision trade, especially with Peter, would probably be just nuts for him to consider, at least from a personal level. But maybe going to grab Mark Wallace from at, and play him at second base over Terry Sinoski might give that team a boost that it needs defensively to really get back in the race. Oh, Maddie, chime in. Right. Maddie? Um, I think a team that – you want to still talk about Atlanta? Yeah, we're talking about Atlanta, but if you want to move on to another team, you think that will boost up in the, in the second oh. half. Uh, in the second half, you're willing. Yeah, I, I'm willing to listen. Well, I guess I would say with the Braves, I would pretty much co-sign what, what Andy said. You know, saying he built some really nice teams. They they look good, but then they just they don't perform for whatever reason. Maybe they really aren't good players. You know, maybe they're you know those those guys who are raised really well and have really nice idols, like a Darren Moe that you think you should hit, but for whatever reason they just don't. They, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you look at at the um, minor league, league numbers and say, okay, this guy. He has a good eye, and he should walk, but he just doesn't do it. And, okay, so he should it for an, an average, and he just doesn't. But the team that I think that can make a surge will be the, the Phillies. You know, they they have a very good uh, infield. Um, they are being helped with a few young guys who are coming up in um, um, their, their pitcher, the top prospect, uh, or the Order Zosko, um, you know, and um, a couple of, uh, of other guys, 
And I think they're by their Ty Ty Badrin, they should have beat um they, they should be forty and twenty eight. So I think that they're a team that um that with with some of the players that are young that if they hit their, their jump and, and once they get their feet wet, they could sneak out a uh wild card spot. Yeah. Um the Phillies are a really interesting team. They might be even a little should be a little better than five hundred at this point. But even with that strong Pythagorean, I'm really reluctant to pick them for a number of reasons. One is I think they're relying on some players uh, in that lineup that they shouldn't. Um, the, uh, Ricardo Escanuelas comes to mind. He's just never really produced up to that rating. I think uh, to some extent Andy was right about right him <laughs> right about him that he was just sort of a sort of just just overrated for that for that uh, for the overall that Mogul was showing. And I think the fact that he's declining now is definitely a problem. Rafael Martis is another guy that I just don't think is nearly as good as the numbers he's putting up. I think he's done really well since coming to Philly, but other than that, uh, I think there's a chance he could cool off and really come back down to earth and that lineup won't look nearly as good as it has so far. And although Orozco is a very, very talented prospect, I've seen time and time again, Mogul punish these guys that come up early, at least in their first season and him and Hessenhauer, who doesn't have great vitals anyway, um, up as early as they are, even though Hessenhauer has done okay so far, uh, I really think relying on them in the back of the rotation could hurt them. That being said, the NL wild card race is a mess, and I would not be surprised uh, no matter what way it ends up going. And considering one of the teams are going to pick is right to cool off is right in the middle of that wild card race now, I think it's possible the Phillies could absolutely take that spot. But I I I'm just very reluctant to bet on them considering uh they're relying on some players that have been just been way too hot so far and some players that are just really young. And I think that even with a good Pythagorean so far, that could really come back to bite them down the road. Uh yeah, well so, see I like I I like Philly and I like Philly at the outset of the season. I, I would have picked them as a sleeper team for this year. Just because I like I like their build, I like where they're going. Um, they're, they're primed to be pretty good here pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, other than them, I don't see anybody else jumping out. I don't, even with a messy NL wildcard spot, because you're, you're fifth in that race or sixth in that race. And you don't have a prayer of, of making right. the wild card. So, right. and Cincinnati has basically put the rebuilding flag up. So, um, I'm going to say this. this. I don't think my Mets team is terrible, but if we were going to compete for an NL wild card spot, we would already have to be like in one of those spots right now and just hold on for dear life. I don't think there's a chance right. we can come from behind in this race. Right. Just, yeah. There just isn't enough talent. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I'm happy to see them closer to 500 as opposed to just the awful April I saw because it was like, oh, geez, did I just – did I lose my ability to build a team this quickly? Because I thought we'd be more like an 80-win team than a 60-win team, and now we're sort of back to where I thought the team was going to end up. So I'm at least happy about that. Sort of. I'm not. I'm not about to start Tangapalooza here to get as to get as high a pick as possible because I don't think it really matters all that much. Then uh, I'd rather keep my, the big advantage of having the best market in the game and not having my fan loyalty tank. So we'll hopefully go with this for a little while until we get back to a level where we can really 
go after something. Um, so what's the team that you think is really going to cool off, Andy, in the second half? Who's way too hot? Um, I got a little bit of doubts about um, about the Cubs, just a little bit. I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I know that they're close, and I know that they're coming as a as a team um, that they're going to be a contender here um, fairly shortly. And I know they've got Rich Faber hurt right now, and that doesn't help either. Um, but I kind of I kind of worry about their abilities to sustain where they're at. So that's that's one team I had on my list. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Maddie, what's the team that you think will cool off uh, in the second half? Maddie. Did we lose Maddie again? Uh no, we didn't look like it. Hmm. I think we only uh, lost Maddie mentally. Um okay, I'll mention I'll mention mine. The first one that jumped out to me when talking about this, even with the strong defense, is LA. Um the and I don't mean the, the I mean the Dodgers. Uh keep forgetting there's two LAs. So um I know I picked the Angels off the start and I'm impressed by how they're doing. But there's also just a lot of craziness going on going on in LA right now. Um, Dean Thorpe, who has been a good player, has never been an all uh, an MVP caliber player like he's been so far in the season uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, Marty Isnard, um, who looked like an average first baseman, is now all of a sudden uh, is now all of a sudden like. It, uh, putting up a 900 OPS and hitting close to 300, that doesn't seem like it's going to hold up. And I think uh, some of those offensive performances aren't going to hold up, and their offense isn't great to begin with anyway, in my mind. And uh, on that pitching side, they've got a 481 ERA though, uh, so far, and that's with one of the better defensive performances so far in the league. And with Deazo probably past his prime, with Jimenez, in my mind, really just not – the kind of guy you want to rely on in a rotation and uh with with I don't know exactly what to expect from Benji Sweeney in his first year might be another guy that develops into something better later but he's got some potential problems there too I don't know if you can rely on that pitching staff outside of the top two to really hold up and I think with San Francisco um finally sort of Coming around to the team they were supposed to, and adding a guy like Kondo in the middle of that lineup—that excuse me, Kodo—in the middle of that lineup that they needed, um, really could get back into this race and push LA out. And I don't know if LA will hold up in the wild card race long term. So I would put them as one of the teams that's going to cool off. Another one that comes to mind for me would be Kansas City because I don't necessarily love their pitching staff. And I think they are relying on some guys that are the, that I just don't know that they're going to keep the keep the numbers up for. But that being said, um, that being said, I, I, I'm going to bet on 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 Mike's ability to keep getting the secret sauce out of this team for a little bit longer, which is, sounds really dirty, but I think it's uh, probably there, and I think he'll stay a contender at least in the AL wild card for a little while, uh, unless and and with Detroit no longer looking like a completely elite team maybe he'll stay in the race in the AL Central too uh I don't know if he'll ultimately end up in the playoffs but I don't think we can write him off for a while uh if I had to bet on a team that's going to come back to earth it's probably going to be the Dodgers yeah I can see your argument about the Dodgers um their pitching staff needs some tweaking um SXR needs to make a few adjustments the first would be um taking out Regino I mean uh Jimenez and uh putting in um 
uh, Waltering maybe in place of him, um, or Jimenez or whatever his name is. I think that would be a swap I would do uh, right now. Um, and other than that, he's going to have to look around for some different options because, yeah, his pitching is is not good. Um, <clears throat> I left Kansas City off because I'm just not sure that GB's got enough to to really say that he can hold him off. Um, he's got an incredible top three in his rotation, incredible, but the rest of his pitching staff kind of blows. Um, that bullpen is is pretty bad. Um, yeah, even outside, with, outside of Pauly, yeah. Outside of Pauly. And he's getting pretty good performance from a couple guys too, but yeah, it's and the it's just it looks like a powder keg in a couple places. Um it also doesn't help that roughly half of his lineup is pretty bad also. Um if he's basically being carried by the fact that Mike Purdy is a beast and Barter Hearn should still be an Oakland athletic. So um <laughs> I knew so, you were gonna mention that somehow. <laughs> so Jesus Christ Hick. <laughs> and then uh other than those two guys, I mean his his line and Lockhart is coming up and doing okay, but and Bailey is what Bailey is, but the rest of that lineup, I mean, you could pretty much walk Purdy, Bailey, and Lockhart and be like, well, fuck it, I'll get the next three guys out. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can So that would mean the bases are loaded for someone, and, and yeah. even eventually You're, they'll score runs that way. That, that, might be, that might be my recommended strategy to anybody playing Detroit. Just walk everybody named Purdy, Bailey, Lockhart, or Ahern and pitch to everybody else. And yeah. you probably will do just fine. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see that sort of stars and scrubs approach almost for GB. Uh, a, a non-serious question, while Maddie appears to not be on the line, um, is Purdy the best player that I ever drafted? Looks like um, it. Mike Purdy is. I, I mean, I've I've talked very highly of Purdy from the get-go. Um, wasn't he the one? Was he the one that had? No, he wasn't that guy. I thought he was the one that was in that three L other draft. Uh, that was Frost. Um, no, the, he went in the middle. He went in late in the first round in 2045, yeah, I remember, I remember and I ended up trading him in the Orego deal, a deal that I think I just had to make at the time. And since I ended up winning a World Series with him as my shortstop, I'm not going to complain. Yep, nope. You, it, you ended up getting what you needed to, but yeah, Mike Purdy is um, a pretty, pretty player. I, sorry, it's too easy to do that, but God um, damn it. I, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> We're going to ban all puns from this podcast one day. Is this what's going to happen? A consistent 950 to 1,000 OPS player is a damn good player. Yeah. Um, And that's what he is. Uh, Very productive, very good. Um, Yeah, I liked him a lot. I loved him when he got drafted. GB and I talked many times about the possibility of Purdy. In fact, I believe we had talked about trading Zubinski for Purdy, and we almost made that happen. Almost. Hmm. Probably glad that I think, he didn't, considering Zabinski's fallen a little bit first, yep, you know? I think I was the one that was gun-shy on that. And if I hadn't been, that might have been a very different story for Oakland. But Right. Um, I mean, I can understand the time because Zabinski's younger, but he ends up aging a hell of a lot faster. At the same time, Zabinski also, you know, put up a ridiculous MVP season for Oakland once and um, has been a pretty good player for them. But, yes, he tailed off quicker than I would have hoped, but you can't always count on that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I think the problem with Detroit is that their depth is just really, really scary. Um, and Kansas city has a tendency to get the most out of everybody. So when you combine those two factors, that's kind of a dangerous thing for, for Detroit. Uh, 
Oh, can can we uh can by the way, can you do me a favor and publicly shame Hick for trying to argue that Sean Gialde was better than Ron Austin? Yes, that was yes, that was not smart. It was also <laughs> not smart to deal Rick Pickle for Sean Gialde. I didn't like that move either. I mean, I understood it, but I didn't like that move either. There's a reason why I locked up Rick Pickle because um, he was supposed to hold down the middle of the open lineup. You know, like Barter Hearn was supposed to hold down the top of the open lineup. God damn it. Um, mm-hmm. And both of those things are no longer happening. But um, I did get him Carlos Torres, and that's working out pretty well for him. Yep, but so, let's say, let's, in Hicks' defense, he did lead the team to a World Series. He's doing he some things right. He did. I, I hate to, I, I don't mean to knock on Hick. Hick is a very good general manager. You just, you know, you get attached to your baby, and when somebody slaps your baby around, you don't, you're not real happy about it. So um, that's pretty much that's, all that uh, was. But. That's one hell of a metaphor. All right, with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, but hey, Maddie, how about that, how about that he, Speedy Canamar guy? He's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, don't, yeah. Don't don't tell me that control and movement guys can't be aces because Speedy Canamar is a fucking ace. Oh, yeah, he's he's one of the best. I I hey, I liked him from the very beginning. I was on the Canamar train maybe even before you were. Yeah, you you were were more heavy on his train than even I was. Yes. I was yeah. Agree with that. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I just look at those are the sorts of guys. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I can I can work with this. It's just it, to keep keep it simple with with some of this stuff. Give me this, these high control, high movement guys, put five in the middle rotation, head defense. Just Just hit it at Craig White, you know, 20 times a game. We'll be all right. Yeah. So uh, I think that'll do it for this edition of the FCM podcast. Sorry, Maddie has been banished to that weird uh, uh, spinning rectangle that General Zod was put in in Superman 2. Stop wrapping up. Stop wrapping up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, he's here. Now he's here. But before before you wrap up, I do want to talk about the blog stuff. So okay. before you go on one of your little <laughs> Stop things. wrapping up. <laughs> Inject. Inject. <laughs> yeah. So if Maddie's back now, we can put him back in the conversation. But don't go off on one of your little things before uh, before I have a chance to plug that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Maddie, uh, any teams that you think are really going to move up or down in the uh, – second half before we move on to Andy's blog stuff? Of course, I, I, I said Philly. And I, I've actually been here for a few minutes listening to most of that. I will say that I thought the Rip Pickle trade was just fine. Um, <laughs> other than that, Beer kind of blocked a lot of the other stuff that was said. A couple of things that I thought I, I was going to make a point here and there, but again, the Beer kind of blocked it. And, I, and that the, the Rip Pickle thing is the only thing that I've actually Held, held on to. The, the team that I said will fall, I think, is the team that you guys must have said most like because of what was said, just what, because of what was said when I got back. But I actually picked the Royals to 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 be the team who who fell. I think that they're that they just have have players. Holy shit! That'd be my cat falling out of the window. Awesome. What? You saw a little window. Uh, he's an asshole, so it's it's fine. I don't worry. Cats fall all the time. They 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 almost never get hurt. Oh yeah, he doesn't because he does, he has a really hard head and not much of a brain. Actually, he is kind of smart, but he's just a he, he's an asshole. They also Anyways. they also have phenomenal balance. It's hard to they almost always land straight on their paws. It's hard to injure. It, yeah, cats don't get hurt from falls like no other. 
But anyway, so back to the Royals. And I just think that they are that they that they that they have a lot of older guys. I mean, maybe it is the the Mike Leia somehow. He finds a guy like Norman Poe who hasn't had a good year in who knows how long, and all of a sudden he gets like the best year that he's ever had, even in his prime years. I guess aside from the 2050, but besides that, he's 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 the best year ever, and you're just like, what the fuck? You know, I mean, this guy's 34, he's 70 overall, he has 79 contact. It's not even like you can say, oh, well, he still has nice nice vitals. You know, I guess he does have solid speed and a solid eye, but at a 79 contact, how is he hitting 341 when? A few seasons ago, he was hitting two sixty three. This does not make sense. But it's a good question. What? It's a good question. A very yeah. good question. So I just think you know that there are two players in his lineup, and you know, and him, and with his pitching staff, they're just pitching over their their heads, and I think eventually they'll come back to um, reality. And you know, maybe they'll still play themselves into a playoff spot, but. I think it'll be extremely, extremely close. I think it probably is in, in the AL as it is. But, you know, you ask the, the question, I give you an answer. I, I'm not going to give you the answer of, I don't know. I don't think I don't think anyone will. I will just, I will put my cards on the table and say this is who I think it's going to be. And if I'm going to pick a team who will fall off of a good first half, I will pick the Royals to fall off. All right. Uh, one more, uh, one more thing. I'm just gonna add and just throw out there. Um, uh, how many people of you know the whole first thing, first name thing that was going on in the chat for a little while? Yeah. First of all, it bothers me because now Peter won't stop calling me Georgie, so I feel like I'm back in kindergarten. And second of all, um, do we have any people? That, am I the only person who's who thinks that so, that one of the owners in the league is lying about their first name? I don't pay attention enough to to know what he's talking about. I'm not convinced GD's name is actually Ruben. Oh, <laughs> it is a very old school Southern name. It's possible. That's true, but he's also from the North. Well, about as no. north as it gets. No, I thought GD was from like Tennessee or something. No, he's from like Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Hmm. Well, see, I will say this, okay? I had a teacher in high school. I guess they were actually a couple, Lamar and, and Phyllis. They were the whitest people you would ever meet in your life. White and <laughs> white. Always went to to church on on Sundays. They were, you know, they never swore. Name Lamar and Phyllis. Seriously. Well, Phyllis, uh, I could imagine as a white name. Lamar, I'm having yeah. a little more trouble with. <laughs> but honestly, if you. You know, say that, hey, this is, by the way, this has been the casual racism podcast. Yeah. You're thinking that Phyllis is a black girl. It's just, it is what it is. It's not, it's not this or that. It's just the truth. So if Ruben is his name, you know, I don't know. I'll believe it because Lamar Zebra, that is a white guy. Seriously. White as right. Oh, God. All right, we're, we're done. With this segment is being this segment's being cut out of the podcast, and now we're moving on to Andy <laughs> plugging the blog. Andy, how about that? Yeah, blog? just just out there for everybody in case you miss it because um, it's not always I know easy to see, but I am doing 
a blog series on the 25 best teams in um, SCM history. Um, I also did the blog or a blog about the trials and tribulations of SCM, so that's out there too. Um, but the um, the top 25 teams, I went through every file from our first 45 seasons and picked out teams with the best records, best run differentials, you know, awards were in consideration, things like that. And I narrowed a list down to 25. So I'm going to try to release those throughout the next month or two here um, as I have time to write them up. So two of them are out there already and more to come. There's a, I tried to make it as balanced in teams as I could. I tried to include everybody that I could. But, of course, you're going to see multiple teams from some um, franchises. Yes, I cannot wait for – I know that one of my teams made the list. I'm almost positive as to what team it was, and I cannot wait to – not only to not only have the blog article written about it, but instead of linking to a small interview like an old person, I'll link to an entire thirty for thirty uh edited together <laughs> about the team. You go for that. That's fine. I don't care how you respond to my question about that, you go with whatever you want. But yes, there I can What tell if I people... told you that a small market team could <laughs> change the face of FCM forever? There I will I will world maximum to it because G money will go on forever. We'll be reading for days on it. But we'll follow every player in its system, yeah. even the guys yeah. who never played in the majors during that season. Right. I can. I'll go on for three pages. It's three pages about how Jeff Johnson saved the season, and, and, and he's like permanently an Oriole legend. I can tell you guys that there will be teams from the Yankees, the Reds, the Orioles. The Cubs, the Blue Jays, the Brewers, the Mariners, the Athletics, the Rockies, um, the Angels, the Phillies, and the Cardinals that will all make the list. And they might have forgot a franchise or two. Um, Florida as well. So they're balanced out there. There's quite a few. Um, and then, of course, there are several teams that have more than one. So, yeah. Maybe he'll make, make the list, right? I'm sorry, what was that? Lonnie... Chisholm, maybe he'll 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 be on the list, right? Just personally, um, as an entire team. Yeah, I was well, gonna say I don't. Well, yes, well, you know that that's just a joke because Homer always said of how how Scott re resigning him to like a ten year contract for twenty six. Oh, some of the teams when I gave him like multiple attempts to trade him away, and he never took it. I uh, I can I can say that there was nobody from the era of Scott that made the list. Okay, um, if if now this is an actual question I have, and I know that like for obvious reasons the era of Scott would not be considered for this. If let's say um, we th- if let's say you put an asterisk by it, would there be any of his teams that actually did make the would have made the list? No, no. I looked at his teams and they weren't good enough. Quite frankly, they wouldn't, um, I was, they wouldn't be good enough even outside of the you know cheating correct. that was going on. Okay, correct. I I think the the teams on this list, um, it, the the six I had in the like runner up list, I I think are really strong teams, and San Fran would have cracked any of those, and his Mariner teams were kind of overrated too. So no, I think the group that um, is making the list, he wasn't even going to crack. If I had gone out to forty, he might not have cracked it. 
So, um, or 50. So it had nothing to do with the cheating aspect of Scott. It had to do with the fact that his teams just weren't as good as the teams on this list. I mean, you had to have a run differential of at least about 250 to even get consideration. We have teams on the list that outscored their opponents by over 400. So I mean, to put that to put that in the context, that means they were outscoring their opponent on average by two and a half runs a game. Yeah, that's insane. And, and yeah. it's uh, and you know, it's not entirely surprised that it's so competitive to get on the list because we're talking about 25 teams. When if we can just do the math real quick, you're talking yeah, about that's... 30 times. Uh, you, okay, FCM has been in business for what, 45 seasons. Like right. that times 30 is how many teams there've been. So we're talking. Do, 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 do. 1,350. Yeah. So we're talking about really the top, the top half a percent of teams in history. Or, or, yeah, you're, you're, know, you're talking about not even a team a season, a team yeah. every other season almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to make the list, and then I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you right off the bat, the top five um, are pretty incredible. <laughs> you know, so. Um, it, it took a lot to, there are teams, I can tell you the seventh best team, I'm sorry, the sixth best team and the eighth best team both won over 118 games. Jeez. So, um, to crack the top end of this thing was, uh, a chore. Let's just say that. Um, but there's a nice blend in the first, especially the first 10 or so. There's a pretty good mix of teams that are out there. So, <laughs> in, including a few from pretty recently. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. I'm really interested to read more. This has been, you know, for someone like me who was out of the league for 25 seasons, sort of a crash course in league history I've always wanted, you know? Yep. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it was easier to do this. The last time I did a series like this was on, you know, trades, and that's just impossible to do anymore. Especially now that we have draft pick trading, it's just impossible to, to track down all the the components of a deal. Um but or if I could, but it would be just fucking awful, and I'd want to hurt things. Um, but this is something that all I have to do is pull up the file, pull up the standings, and I can do fairly quickly. So <clears throat> hopefully people will find it interesting, and hopefully it'll be kind of a blast from the past that people can kind of you know maybe find some things that they didn't know about the league um, before they read it. So. Yep. Uh, anyway, so check it out. It'll be up there. I'll try to post every a couple of week at least. So just keep your eyes out for it. Yep. Um, so let's turn it to Noakes, who has a couple of last words. Well, last words I would just say is, you know, that PS is back. He is back as my co-GM. For those that don't know, that is PS baseball fan. Um, you know, um, he was a long-time uh, Arizona GM, and then moved over to the Yankees. You know, I guess, honestly, his story could fit into the trials and um, tri- <laughs> tribulation. Yeah, he's come, <laughs> yeah, he's come back and forth quite a few times. Yeah, but, um, yeah, um, you know, I kind of know his story. I guess I'm kind of like pokey with the uh, uh, DJ story. But, honestly, for a PS story, it, if he actually wants to say it, um, but um, it's great to actually have him back. Um, it, it, it would be great um, if eventually, if there is an opening for him to take his own team. But one of the things that I really liked about with the uh, co-GM with Jason that I never thought that I would actually like because 
I like to do everything myself. I like to, you know, I like to do the draft. I like to do the trade. I like to do the uh, free agency. I like to know everything that's going on with my team. Is the fact that there's someone else to kind of like rein you in, you know, when you kind of say, oh, yeah, I like this this guy. Because I almost traded um, oh, the uh, third third baseman for the Cubs. Um, there was a, when we were talking trade to get a to get an ace. I almost traded him him away, but you know Jason said no, no, no. I want to keep him, so we kept him and we went a, a another route. So I think you know it's kind of nice to have someone else there, someone else to give you another you know word of you know hey I like like this guy better, so you change up your uh, strategy a bit. So I'm really excited to have you know. You know, P.S. asked my co-GM and more excited just to have him back in the league. It's it's just great to see him back because, you know, he's a GM that when you look back on onto our history, you know, he was he was there for what probably, I would guess, what, almost 20, 25 seasons. You know, he's, you know, it's just, it's just great. Yep. Good to have P.S. I, back. I, I don't know if I was ever in the league at the same time as him. I, I also... Welcome, PS back. He's um, he's a fantastic GM, great guy, very easygoing, very knowledgeable, and also a total asshole for beating my Toronto team in a World Series in 2044. So, uh, welcome back, PS. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you still you you. I'm surprised you still haven't told me to go fuck myself for uh, the <laughs> for breaking your division streak back in back in 2040. Wow. At some and point, it had to happen. 2044 was our age, just just for reference. Cause by oh, then, I, I think, think you're right. No, of the, the league. You're, I think you're right. I think that was uh, – don't, don't give me – there was another one where he did beat me because I lost yeah. twice to Arizona in the World, in the World Series. You want to say it's actually 2024, years. that would be it. Yeah, so I think the other one was Rendre. It was was RH that beat you. You're right. 2024, he beat me when my my team, um, that was the three consecutive World Series I lost, and he was the middle one. So still, my go fuck yourself stands. So I just got the year wrong. I I stand by the sentiment, (laughs) if not the fact. So anyway, welcome back, PS. He's a real good guy. So I'm just giving him shit. He's he's, um, He's a fantastic guy to have around and a really... Really easygoing and interesting and um, interesting dude. So glad to see right. him back. Maybe we can have him on a podcast one day. See see how that goes. He might be game for it. Yep. So that'll do it for this edition of the FCM podcast. Am I now allowed to wrap up, Andy? Just yes. Just, okay. That'll do it for this edition of the FCM podcast. Uh, as usual, bring you all the all the ins and outs of the draft. Uh, we will try to. I will try to bring you another podcast for the end of the year, but no promises. Especially if I'm still feeling like a mess like I've been for a couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll see. Good luck with the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully, even if we jinxed your team or didn't jinx your team enough, you'll do well the rest of the year. Have a good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.